Those of us who rely on creativity for our careers live in fear of the day when there are no good ideas on the horizon. Does creative drive die? And where does motivation come from? And how do we keep creative drive healthy? And that is what we are talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. And you know what else is really good? This gorgeous beverage in front of us. It's the best. It's called an aviation, and it is the most beautiful amethyst color, which is appropriate for February. And it's, it's really interesting because aviation was created before Prohibition, and it was lost for a moment and then returned as one of the classics. Its taste is as bright and fun as the color. It's a, like a jewel in a glass. It is. We use creme de violet, and you'll see that on our website. We've got our recipes all up there for you. And this color can't be beat, and the smell of it is lovely as well. So check it out. It also has two James Gin in it, which is also one, one of, of our, our favorites. favorites. So anyway, tell us about creativity. You know, actually, I have this funny story. Kendall, this art director I used to work with, he was in the midst of working on a logo one day and he grumbled, I'm afraid I only have a finite number of good logos in my soul and I'm wasting one today. And I I thought that was really funny, the idea of a finite number of good ideas. That comment has always stuck with me. I don't know, is creativity finite? Does it die? I don't know. When you were asking me about whether creative drive dies, my answer was kind of, yes, I think it could. And maybe it's because you and I, I don't know how you feel, but I kind of feel like we aren't on the same page on this one. Yeah, I think it doesn't die. Absolutely not. So tell me why you think it dies. Well, I think it might be semantics between the two of us, really. I read this quote somewhere where creative burnout is like chain smoking when you're lighting one project with the butt of the last one you just did, and then you just keep going and keep going. And that I really, even though I'm not a smoker, I really related to that because it's like the exhaustion of the pace of that creativity and that throughput is, you know, it takes a toll on you. But I also feel like in episode eight, when we were talking about where our ideas and creativity comes from, we really landed in a place where we agreed that creativity does require a structure or a regimen of some sort, whether that's frequency or repetitiveness. But I also think that repetition at work, professional repetition, can also lead to burnout. Yeah, that and that's where I think you're right with semantics. I don't think creative drive dies. I think it's intrinsic in us. I think people who like to be problem solvers and like to be makers and like to invent and explore are deep down those kinds of people in their soul. I do think creativity can become eroded or stiff or wrung out or exhausted. I don't think drive dies, but I think your well might run dry. And I think like wells, if you give them enough time to sit, the water will trickle back in. But that's a process that you have to be very patient for that to happen. Well, let me ask you this question, too. Do you think creativity changes? I think creativity changes over time quite a bit. And from my own personal experience, I'm what I like to call a habitual hobbyist. I will pick up a hobby or a creative medium, and I will work on it and work on it, and then I will feel very satisfied. And a year or two later, I will pick up a new hobby or a new creative medium, and I sort of let the old one go, and I get a new one. And a um, creative group of folks that Karen and I are both in had this question of, does creativity die? I don't think it dies. I do think that drive is internal, but I do think it can change over time. How about you? I agree in terms of picking up and trying new things. I think that if uh, being a serial hobbyist just means that you have a lot of creative curiosity and you like to try new things. I feel that way about food and cooking. That's why I tried to, you know, I brewed beer for, you know, about a decade. 
I like to try new things in that way as well. I also think that my creativity has changed over time because my worldview has changed over time. As I have matured, not only become more confident in myself as a producer of creative content, not just capital P producer, but I think that my worldview has changed. The things that matter to me, the things that um, I'm passionate about, those things have changed with me just as I've grown. And so therefore, my output has changed as well. Which is also why if you're tired or exhausted or doing something repetitive at work, those can sort of shorten your worldview and shorten your ability to be curious. And that's where creative motivation maybe can dry up a little bit. Or your creative energy can very much get depleted by too many demands or too much repetition. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if drive is really your engine, the thing that causes you to want to create, then you have to put fuel in the tank. That's true. And be disciplined and keep it healthy and keep it maintained, right? Yeah. And prevent that burnout. Prevent the chain smoking that we know is so bad for you. Hey, kids, don't smoke. It's bad for you. PSA. So let me ask you this one. Let's talk for a minute about internal versus external creativity and motivation. Yeah. Yeah, let's. <laughs> I think it's a fabulous idea, Jen. Oh, Lord. What, what are you, what motivates you? Because you're a serial hobbyist, so personally you are motivated by just a need to create. For me, it's the, oh, I bet I could. What if I, mm-hmm. those, that personal question of, I wonder if I can do this, and almost all of our My new creative endeavors start with looking at something and thinking, well, I could make a table that looks like that, or I could make a table that looks a little bit different, or I could make a lamp. Or I could knit, or I could weld. Yeah, why not? And so for me, because I tend to do more physical things like that, build physical bits, whereas I think you're more of a paintbrush type of person when it comes to traditional I have been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's mostly... That's what we do for a living. I think it's just in you. I don't even I don't even know if I could articulate what makes me creative and where my drive comes from because it's just what I do for a living and it's what we do in our hobbies. I don't know if I can articulate it. It's the engine that your model came with. I guess so. <laughs> but what is your professional creative drive? More Besides to have to. You have to. You're asking that. That's like asking where does the universe stop? I, <laughs> it's such a strange question. I should know these answers since this is what we're talking about, but we've kind of gotten on a tangent. I feel like I'm professionally and personally motivated by curiosity. I have to know how things work. I have to understand how systems are influenced, how colors work, how curiosity about how things work and understanding those types of things drive most of my creative pursuits, whether that's painting, whether that's playing with Play-Doh with my kid, mixing colors, understanding how people work and interviewing them. All of those things are really driven by my curiosity for understanding how the world works. I think think it's also why I like spending time in the woods. I just like watching it. And sometimes when you're in the woods, you can listen to it, too, and that's a magical and interesting moment. I would add to curiosity challenge. I think a lot of creativity for me comes with, ooh, I bet I could. And what if we try to do it this way? So it's sort of a personal challenge to see if we can get to an end result with lack of budget or with lack of time or with lack of some other resource. Mm -hmm. Can we still make something like that happen? Or solving a problem that a client hasn't been able to solve before that feels like a puzzle and it feels like a challenge might be the same part of me that likes to play a board game and see a strategic board game and and see what we can do. So there's a lot of that. I will say, though, 
for me, a lot of that is internal motivation. I don't think external motivation works for me very well. It doesn't for me. When we were talking about this topic kind of preliminarily, I was exploring what my external motivations were. And of course, I want to do an excellent job for my clients. You know, my clients are bringing me concepts or problems to solve. But really, besides being a good service provider and providing excellent service, and besides making my life work, meaning I have to earn money, I'm not, and I don't need a lot, you know. I just, making my life work and taking care of people in the right way is really all my external motivation. I'm not motivated by much more than that externally. And see, that makes some sense. I was reading the book Drive by Dan Pink recently, and it talks a lot about intrinsic motivation versus external motivation. And he made the point that once you add external motivation, it often dampens your intrinsic need to create. Um, They did a really interesting study with preschool children who liked to draw and were naturally drawn to the page and the crayons. And they divided them into three groups. And one group, they said, hey, why don't you draw? The second group, they said, hey, why don't you draw? And if you do, we'll give you a prize. The third group, they said, hey, why don't you draw? And then afterwards, they surprised them with a prize. And mind you, these are all children who were interested in drawing beforehand. The ones who knew and expected there was a prize afterwards showed a marked disinterest in drawing. So that external motivation, that carrot hanging in front of them, actually dampened their intrinsic love of creating art, which is both sad and a huge aha moment for employers of creatives. You know what I mean? That sometimes the external motivations we try to employ might not work. That's really fascinating. Yeah, I think that external motivators can get very complicated when you talk about creativity in the workplace. I think there's a lot to do with autonomy, as we mentioned before, repetition, expectation of performance. And so much of creativity is exploration, and you don't know where you're going to end up, and you don't know if you might need to try over, and you don't know if inspiration will hit or there will be an idea on the horizon. And once you put that into a service and billable hour format, it becomes much harder. I'm not a person who, when I am creative at home, am very attached to the results. I really just like the process of doing. And so if I make a mess and have to clean it up and it's kind of ugly at the end, sometimes it is, and that's fine. Rarely does my art see the light of day. I don't gift it very often. So I'm really not attached to anything except for it being nourishing for my soul. It's a pretty selfish process. It's not really particularly useful outside of just me getting something out of it. But that's the complete opposite of how I'm employed. Right. And you have to nurture the creatives on your staff. Absolutely. And that culture is really important. I'm very cognizant that if everybody shows up and they're simply a tool for a means to an end, how does the worst possible culture Ever. Ever. <laughs> and it's it truly has to be a place where somebody wants to also intrinsically create for their own internal motivations. And if we make a client happy in the long run, that's awesome too. But if there's a culture of creating something beautiful as a team because we have met the intended or stated objectives and it's beautiful, like that's magic. That is magic. You know, we've been through different iterations of our staff and as have you, none of neither of our businesses are young and the flavor and tone and sparkles change depending upon the mix of talent you have in the studio, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so 
as a boss, I have to make sure to embrace what people are great at, the things that they can do. I don't want to take a designer who really is great with typography and try to force them into illustration because that turns it into paid work and not creativity. Mm-hmm. So you'd need to find that place where you're fostering ownership and creative exploration. But I think part of it, going back to the earlier question, is enjoying that challenge of what can I do and how can I solve this problem? And if you enjoy the challenge of creativity, even in a workplace environment, I think you can get that kind of excellence. I think at the end of the day, we both are on the same page, whether it's drive or energy. We're both on the same page that, my goodness gracious, don't let it die. So we have to be able to prevent whatever it is that is driving us or motivating us. I don't know what practices you put in place. We did talk about it in Episode 8 for folks who haven't listened to Episode 8 about where our creativity comes from. Definitely give that a listen or even a second listen. But I know for me, the temptation to say forget about it is it can happen. Sure. No, that temptation to give up and say, "Eh, never mind, I'm just going to phone it in and mediocrity is okay, that temptation can be really strong. The temptation to get through a project without giving it your creativity can be strong and to not exercise that creative muscle. But don't do it. Don't do it, people. Do not let it die. You get old and tired fast. So instead of being a chain smoker of creativity where you light your next project with the butt of the one that you're finishing up, It's about thinking about diversity. So if you're doing a lot of similar project builds at the same time at work, then do something very different that fuels that creative fire at home. So whether that's cooking or painting or whatever the thing is, or just like you, try something new find inspiration elsewhere and really think about frequency. We've talked in the past about creative muscle, and it's about that frequency, not necessarily duration. So it's about just doing a little every day. You know, there are people, especially at the beginning of the year, who take on these, you know, one photo a day or one photo a week projects, you know, like the 52 project or, you know, writing a certain number of words a day to get to a writing amount per week. So I think it's just about frequency and just exercising that muscle to uh, make sure that 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 inner drive is continually satisfied with the right kind of stuff. That's true. And I think it's it's important for somebody mid-career like we are to understand where creativity comes from what it feels like to you when you become depleted and what you can do to rev back up because there's nothing more valuable in our industry or in our whole society really than that creative spark and the ability to invent an idea. It doesn't necessarily have to be in our industry, but lots of industries rely on that creative idea and problem-solving thinking. Don't let it go to waste. Don't let yourself get lazy about it. Don't fall into the trap where you think, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. Because it doesn't matter how old you are or whether you're working at it or doing it as a hobby, it really can add a lot to your life and it can give you lots of energy and excitement, I think. Absolutely. So don't let it die, people. Hold the line. Hold the line. Keep it up. <laughs> oh, goodness. So that's where we think we are. We have uh, kicked our aviation off. It's it's a lovely little drink and a nice little nice little cup. You should check it out on our site. But where else can they find us, Karen? On any of the social channels at Easy Underground or on our website. TheSpeakEasyPodcast.com. What else would you like people to do? Subscribe on iTunes. We would love to see you there and we'd love to see your reviews telling us how crazy we are. And definitely engage with us. Reach out. Tell us about what you want to hear us talking about. We're always crafting new topics. We are freshening our episodes, you know, frequently. So we're always recording new ones as we're releasing them. So um, if you have something that you'd really like to hear about, definitely let us know. 
But did you hear? Professionalism is dead. There are no more rules and everything goes. Sounds great. Or not so much. That's what we're talking about next time. See you then. Cheers. Cheers.